Hello and welcome to episode four of the weekly general meeting podcast, a showcase of established and emerging Irish creative talent hosted by Shane Langan and me, Neil Conlon. On this week's show, an essay by Megan Nolan, music from We Are Losers, while Ken Early from Second Captains and Andrew Mangan from Arsblog discuss DIY broadcasting and journalism. Remember, if you're a business owner and you'd like to sponsor the show, contact us at theweeklygm at gmail.com and we'll talk turkey. Not literally, of course, unless you happen to have any good turkey-related anecdotes. But uh, apart from that, we'll probably talk money. So, ju- just to be clear, we won't be accepting turkey or any other cold meats in return for sponsorship. Thanks, Shane. And it's with Shane that we begin this week's show. This is John Garrison and the 5-2 Diet. Hello, how's it going? Uh, welcome to the show. Extra clap there, thank you. The last clap. Attention seeker. Um, <laughs> I'd like to uh, read you a, a little, a little, uh, little uh, mini adventure um, uh, tonight uh, for you to listen to. And uh, this is uh, called John Garrison and the 5-2 Diet. The call came at midday. Garrison put down the phone and rubbed his temples. Not today, he growled. He put his hand up to the fridge door but froze in midair. No, he scolded himself. Garrison arrived at the school and reported to the commanding officer for briefing. Garrison, boy, are we glad to see you. How are things? Ugh, he sighed. I've got a splitting headache. Today is one of my fast days. The officer raised his eyebrows and nodded knowingly. What have we got? asked Garrison, hoping he might lose himself in his work. Robert Halliday, 58, the school janitor. He's got eight kids in there, armed with a hunting rifle. Teachers say he just flipped. No demands as of yet. Garrison was listening, but none of the information was going in. All he could think about was that McDonald's restaurant across the street. There it sat, beaming like a bright yellow, calorific beacon of sheer joy and relief. Maybe I should just get a burger. A small one, he thought. They clear my mind. Help me save those kids' lives. Surely this is an exceptional circumstance. But no, this was just the weak part of his brain looking for a way out. If it wasn't this classroom full of kids, it would be be work drinks or the opportunity to have dinner with a friend he hadn't seen in a few weeks. Garson had saved lives on three continents, grappled with the world's most dangerous men and lived to tell the tale. Surely he could stick to one simple diet. Garrison grasped the megaphone. The loud crackle of interference made him wince. His headache was getting worse. Robert Halliday! This is John Garrison. I just want to talk, okay? Halliday opened the classroom window and, using a four-year-old as a human shield, shouted back. There's nothing to talk about. I'm going to kill these kids and there's nothing you can do to stop me. Garrison's heart sunk. He had hoped that Halliday would simply want some money and this could all be over quickly. He could be tucking into his small bowl of weak pea soup within the hour. (laughs) This, however, wouldn't be quick. I'm coming over! I'm unarmed, okay? Garrison put down the megaphone and with hands aloft, he started walking towards the window. Halliday trained his gun barrel at Garrison. Don't come any closer! Why are you doing this, Robert? Garrison shouted. I... I I don't know. I've not been thinking straight. Halliday grimaced. It was a grimace Garrison recognised. He'd seen it that very morning when he looked at himself in the mirror. 
I know how you feel, Robert, Garson pleaded. How could you possibly know? It may not seem like a big deal to you right now, Garson said, lowering his arms. But I've been sort of having a rough time of it lately too. You see, I've been on this diet. It's called the 5-2 diet. <laughs> Halliday blurted. I'm doing that too. <laughs> My wife's making me. Garson nodded sympathetically. Ditto. And is today one of your fast days? Yeah! Halliday yelled back. It's impossible. How can a man survive in just 600 calories in a day? Twice a week? It's insane. That's what I thought, Garrison called. But you need to get creative. Sandra, my wife, got me a book. It's got some pretty good recipes and eating plans. It's no, it's no steak dinner, but it relieves the monotony. Trust me, it's possible. All the bleak hopelessness lifted from Halliday's face. He put the child down and lowered his gun. Can I have it? He limply asked. Can you have what? Can I have that book? Well, no, it's mine. <laughs> I need it. I'll let the kids go and give myself up if you give it to me. No, get your own. <laughs> give him the damn book, Garrison, shouted the commanding officer from behind. Garrison turned and shook his head sternly. The SWAT team entered the building at 12.48. Robert Halliday died on the scene. Seven out of the eight children survived. <laughs> and John Garrison lost five pounds in two weeks. <laughs> they call that a result. <laughs> Thank you very much. Megan Nolan appeared at her very first live night back in January 2012, and she's been a regular contributor ever since. Her performances are funny and heartbreaking and her honesty always captivated our live audiences. If you're not familiar with her yet, we're delighted to introduce you to Megan Nolan. Um, I'm Megan, and I'm just going to read an essay I wrote about crying. Uh, I love to cry. I cry when I'm angry, I cry when I'm tired. I cry when a character in Orange is the New Black is revealed to have prosthetic legs. I love few things more than a truly satisfying cry, like the self-pitying one in the work toilet cubicle, or the one of guilty, bottomless relief after breaking up with somebody you no longer love. For my 11th birthday, my mother gave me an orange and white kitten. When he was a year old, I found a mass behind his ear, which felt frighteningly alive, a pulsing, scabrous body, which was so disgusting, so blatantly cancerous, that I began to cry. I cried all the way to the vet, and I cried in the waiting room holding the plastic cage containing the sick cat, which smelt in that inimitably li livid way of piss and terror and frustrated energy. After he had been operated on, the vet came to find me, told me he was going to survive. I frantically wiped my tears away and apologized for crying so much. At that point, the vet did something amazing. He was a tall, balding man with a tired face, and he put his hand on my shoulder and looked me right in the eye and said, never apologize for crying. Many children I see don't mind too much if their animal lives or dies. It's a good thing for you to cry, because it shows that you love him, and you should never be afraid to show that you love someone. The reason I remember this, apart from the crazy kindness of somebody being like that to a small child, but they didn't have to care about, is that I think of it as something that was pretty radical, because of the, the messages that I've been digesting ever since, which were the kind of the opposite of what he told me. Our culture demands that women be vulnerable and soft and weak, but scorns them if they express those qualities in ways that are not palatable. 
Crying and being emotive gets you relegated to crazy girl. Your new boyfriend can complain to you about his crazy ex-girlfriend, but you know in your heart of hearts that you are without doubt somebody's crazy ex-girlfriend. <laughs> Possibly everyone you have ever dated's crazy ex-girlfriend, depending on how much you were drinking at the time and how fat you felt. <laughs> to be a crier isn't cool. To experience self-loathing is not cool. And to be frank and defenseless about your awkward, hopeful love isn't cool at all. And God knows we all have to aspire to be the cool girl. The mythical one who eats burgers and drinks beer, but remains coltish and lousy with cheekbones. And thus has never been so annoying as to cry about how unattractive she feels. And who loves video games and whatever particular genre of music you pride yourself on liking. The one who would never ask whether you two are actually officially in a relationship or not. Everyone knows that this girl doesn't exist. And if she did, she would be like a creepy geisha curated by GQ magazine. <laughs> but I beat myself up for being uncool anyway. And the sad thing is, crying is amazing. People who fear it and run from it and think it's just a handy excretion to denote hysteria and menstruation are missing out. It can be good to feel overcome by something, to be floored by sympathy for another human being's predicament, or filled with prickly gratitude when your dad says he's proud of you. One of my major flaws is my inability to filter myself, to socialize my emotions and keep it together. But it's also a strength, both as a person and as a, as a writer. Being as pathologically open as I can be sometimes is a powerful tool in convincing a reader to trust me and believe what I'm trying to communicate to them. And being honest about my chumpiness can help my intimacies develop and become more complex because who doesn't love a chump? And of course, it can also be terrible and scary, like walking around with a fresh wound, always hoping that nobody pokes it too hard and that you can avoid getting too much dirt in there. When I first started seeing my boyfriend, I was a waitress, and I had nowhere to be in the mornings, and so after he left for work, I would roll around in his bed and eat muesli and cuddle his dog. At some point around 10 or 11, I would start the walk down the keys to my own home. I remember this particular morning, it would have been May, and there was this astonishing blinding sunshine, and Dublin was doing that thing where the beginning of summer makes you love it as fiercely as you once did when you arrived as a nervous 18-year-old. I was listening to something definitely uncool, something probably slow and about love and from the 70s, with a triumphant horn section. I was doing something I had taken to doing when I left his house, where I would think about what it was like to kiss him and start to laugh out of pure excitement. He was just so beautiful it could make you laugh, so beautiful and new and unknown. And, so <laughs> and suddenly I was crying and crying, thinking about how many more times I wanted to kiss him. And there was nobody else I was interested in kissing anymore. I even cried a tiny bit writing this in the home we share now smelling the non, not unpleasant, biscuity smell of his dog approaching, and rem remembering that morning, running down the keys and crying and feeling impossibly young and completely uncool. Thanks. Next, we're going to take a little dip into the vaults. This performance from the band We Are Losers comes from one of our monthly general meeting nights a couple of years ago in Dublin. This is We Are Losers with Moni.
Ken Early is a sports journalist who made a name for himself with his work on News Talk's Off the Ball programme and, more recently, the Second Captain's podcasts and TV shows. Andrew Mangan is the man behind the multi-award winning Arse blog, one of the most read football blogs in the UK, which he runs from right here in Dublin. We asked Ken and Andrew along to talk do-it-yourself sports journalism and to give us a vaguely confrontational pep talk ahead of our first steps in podcasting. Uh, yeah, uh, w- w- I guess the m- first off, the, the main reason we wanted you both here was uh, for that reason, that uh, like a lot of creative people that have been guests in the MGM, um, these days people have to find new avenues for what they do and we thought it was particularly interesting that... Um, in, in, in your case, Andrew, uh, that you, you started something yourself that became spectacularly uh, successful. And uh, in, in, in Ken's case, you, you moved from a traditional uh, platform, media platform. To two traditional platforms. To, uh, you m- well, you're still on one, aren't you? Technically, don't you write for the Irish Times? Well, there's the Irish Times and RTE. Okay, right. Uh, well, um, I guess primarily, or. <laughs> primarily we would know uh, that the fact that you have co-created a podcast, a sports podcast that's become I- incredibly successful worldwide called Second Captains, having moved from News Talk, uh, where you co-presented the Off The Ball uh, show. Um, so I guess, without getting into that too much, uh, why don't you uh, tell us how you got into what you do, and uh, y- basically how you broke into, say, sports uh, journalism, Andrew? Um. Well, it kind of started when I was trying to be a web designer. So I started up a website about Arsenal, and then I realized, uh, you know, I'm pretty shit at web design. But I, I quite enjoyed the writing. And, uh, you know, it was all a bit accidental, to be honest. You know, it just started and then kept going and growing. And um, as the internet got bigger and people had more access to it, I think it just, it just sort of took off because it started 12 years ago. So it was pretty early on for, for a blog. So... I think it was just a bit of right place, right time, to be honest. Um, before I move on to Ken, do you mind me sitting this close to you? It's no, not at all. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, I, this is the first time I've met you. I know, no, no, it's fine. Ironically. I, I'm fine, I mean, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep your hands to you yourself. You seem very nice. So. Um, Ken, would you mind telling the audience how uh, you It's quite old-fashioned, really, just nepotism. Um, a, fr- <laughs> a friend of mine, uh, Jack Gilroy, got a job working for a news talk when it started. Um, I wanted someone to talk about football and thought I'd be good and knew that I was cheap, so <laughs> that was um, that was pretty much that. And uh, tell us, w- w- the, the choice to move into podcasting specifically, I know um, for, f- for me personally, I, I've followed your career, but people may not realise that uh, there was a period of time when the crew that presented this very popular radio show on News Talk uh, went on hiatus and nobody was really sure what was going to happen next. There was a lot of uh, speculation, you know, people thought, thought there might be uh, a move to a, a bigger radio station, a traditional radio station or maybe a TV show, but you ended up doing something uh, unusual. Can you tell us how that came about? <laughs> Which part? The leaving or the... Well, the, I guess the the, uh, the leaving thing, I'm not sure how comfortable you are talking about that, um, we're kind of teasing it out here. <laughs> not very excellent. Cool. Well, we won't talk about that. Well, it was, it's quite simple. We we had a program which was doing very well, and we thought that it would work better at a or it would do even better uh, at a time of day when more people were listening to the radio, and uh, so we wanted to move it to a time when more people were listening. And Newstalk said they thought it was a sport, therefore niche, therefore you know post seven o'clock. So that was basically the problem. So we thought, okay, well, we better go and do something else because if we, <laughs> we can't just keep doing the same thing. 
Um, as for what then happened, um, we were unemployed for a while, which is pretty grim. And uh, we tried to uh, get a lot of, we, we sort of explored various avenues, most of which didn't work out. Uh, and then one of them did. It worked out perfectly well. You don't need to question where it did it or not. But um, yeah. in terms of, you mentioned that News Talk viewed uh, sport as a, a niche subject. Um, Andrew, do you find that uh, in, in terms of journalism, albeit online, that uh, in, in certainly in the early days, was it difficult to um, do what you were doing and, and feel like it was legitimized traditionally? I didn't care, though, if it was legitimate or not. You know, um, I write for a very niche audience. It's only... Arsenal fans, so uh, so you know I'm 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 quite lucky in that regard that I don't I'm not necessarily constrained by um, the rules that Ken might be uh, you know uh, being impartial. I can be as biased as I want, and I can call John Terry a cunt if I want. Pardon my language, <laughs> you know I can do that. So there was no for me there never has been any sense of it um, being legitimized. I think what what's interesting is how the medium let's say blogging and, and independent podcasters have come to uh, make a mark in the landscape because it was just, okay, you've got everything else here and then you've got the part-timers and the hobbyists. And I think it's, it's grown to the point where people can, I won't necessarily say get rich, but you can, you can make a part of your living from it. So um, I forgot what the, the start of the question was now, so... <laughs> but that, that, that's actually quite interesting, because in terms of a lot of people that are freelancing and that are trying to start things from the ground up, did it take long, or did you find it difficult to make a living out of Yeah, that? yeah. Well, I, I got bought by an American company. The, the website, yeah, I got <laughs> bought by this American company, and they wanted to make, like, Facebook for, for football fans, and they wanted to get people who had fairly big websites and so they came to me and said look this is going to be brilliant we're going to be Facebook for football fans it'll be you can be friends with all these Leeds fans and Man United fans and, and I'm going no that's not going to happen it won't have nobody is going to be friends with fans of teams that they don't like and they're going no no it'll be good it'll be good and here look we'll pay you this much money and I went okay <laughs> Um, but then they went bankrupt and owed me a load of money, and I, you know, still just finished paying off the revenue. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but but from that, it sort of gave it a bit of a what's the word I'm looking for? A bit of a boost in terms of wh what I could expect to to do with the site. And when I took it back, that was in 2010, the end of 2010. I realized that I just had to kind of like broaden everything. So it was adding more things, columnists and all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it is, if you're prepared to put the hours in, it's, it's possible, I think. And, and, and Ken, you have a team of five, if I'm right, working on the podcast, and it's hosted by the Irish Times, is that right? Mm, yeah, uh, it's, on their, it's, it's on the Irish Times website, I think. And uh, just in terms of what Andrew's talking about, trying to make a living for five people m must be uh, quite different to one person who runs a blog and can have total control over who sponsors you or who doesn't sponsor you. Um, I really don't want to ask you how much you make. <laughs> well, I, no, sorry. I, I do want to ask you how much you make. But um, in a roundabout way, how much uh, <laughs> do, do you all make? Um, sorry, no, that's not fair. Um, do you find it difficult to generate income for second captains? Uh, well, I mean, we, we, we've got contracts with, I mean, we, 
uh, have a company which has contracts with the Irish Times, which has contracts with uh, RT, well, you know, which are to do with TV programs which are on, it's, it's quite limited, it's not like it's an ongoing thing. Uh, I mean, you know, you always have to be looking for what else you can do. I mean, it's not, that's a, that is actually the big difference between working for a company like Newstock and then having your own companies that you have to work all the time. Um, you can't just sort of say, I'll turn up to work, everyone will be there working away, even if I don't do anything. Things things will just happen anyway. <laughs> you can't you can't actually do that because if you know if you don't do it, there isn't anyone that's going to do it. That's probably the biggest. Uh, there are a lot of differences, but that's one, I guess. And Toby, in terms of the future for both of your mediums, in terms of both the blog side of things and specifically the podcasting side of things, do you see things changing? Um, obviously, audiences seem to be on the increase for podcasts in particular, and uh, our blog is hugely successful. But do you see? Um, in as much as you can say, a change in how people uh, experience sports media in particular. Like, do you see, will you see that to be the future, that uh, niche, albeit sports? Well, nobody can tell what the future is because, it, I mean, it changes so fast um, that it's, it's, it's kind of impossible to anticipate what the, you know, how things are going to be in five years. I mean, if you go back five years, it's a completely different landscape. I mean, nobody is on Twitter. Maybe some, you know, people in Ireland have started to get on Facebook. Um, but it's not, uh, I mean, now is a completely different... For instance, if we left News Talk, uh, which happened last year, if, we, if that had happened five years earlier, we would have been pretty screwed. But because of Twitter, we were able to kind of... It, it sort of gave us uh, an outlet or a kind of a... It, we, it, it just wouldn't have existed before. You know, so it's very difficult, I think, to say what the future is going to be. Um, Given that given that everything changes so fast, I mean, is there, I saw a study recently uh, comparing, you know, uh, social media sites to epidemic diseases, saying that they follow similar paths of sort of, uh, you know, starting off bloom, proliferation, peak, death, you know, and it showed MySpace and next to sort of an, an Ebola outbreak, <laughs> it showed it was basically the same pattern. Uh, and they were predicting, I think, Facebook would, would pretty much be finished by 2018. I mean, I, I, you know, it's, it's impossible really to, to make predictions. What you would like to see uh, at some point is the kind of advertising industry in Ireland beginning to catch up with the 20th, the, you know, the late 20th century. Uh, that, would be a, that would be a nice thing to see. Uh, because it, it's clear... Uh, as, as you can see when you look around that, it, it's, it's completely changed from, uh, you know, five years ago. Never mind 20, 30 years ago. But as far as I can see, the systems, I talk about the radio industry here because it's something I, I know a bit about, the systems um, that allocate the money. I mean, it's basically, it's a simple business, you know. The money comes from advertisers uh, who, who give their money to advertising agencies in the hope of <laughs> it being spent properly uh, with the biggest impact. Um, the advertising agencies distribute that around the radio stations as they see fit, but I don't think they're really interested in uh, looking at what else is, is going on. I think they kind of would like uh, things to just remain exactly as they were in the 80s and the 90s, because that system works really well. Everyone buy a newspaper. Uh, every, everyone, is, everyone is doing well out of the system. Why can't they just say the same? Well, it's not saying the same. I mean, you see, you know, you see these... There was a photo, like, the other day... Um, on Twitter, I, I'm probably most people saw it, you know, uh, a, a lot of people standing at a train station, and one guy is like, 
you know, every single other person is looking at their phone, and one guy is kind of like this, and the photos are saying, what's wrong with this guy? Like, this guy has left his phone. <laughs> but, like, that's, you know, all those people, uh, every single one of them is online, every single one of them could potentially be listening to, <laughs> you know, uh, something like what I do or what Andrew does. Uh, previously, that didn't exist. So I'd like for the advertising agency, which is supposed to be looking after its clients, to catch up and to and to recognize the kind of new reality that's that's already here. Andrew, do you feel the same as Ken on, on that score? Have you yeah, maybe. I mean, it's very difficult for individuals to... I mean, I can't do any deals with advertising agencies. We do, uh, I guess, in, in a week, we do close to a million... Uh, or a million visits to the website a month uh, and we'll serve you know anywhere between three and five million pages which is a lot but I'm reliant on what I can do as an individual you know from from Google and, and that kind of stuff um, but I mean I think you kind of have to look at other ways to generate your your income as well and uh, I don't know you you do live shows still are you still doing those or yeah I mean we're doing one on Friday um, are you charging in or income. no 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 you have to start I mean, charging. I've seen, <laughs> seen people do that, yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, when uh, when radio was invented, people were like, how's this going to work? You know, uh, where where's the money going to come from? How can the customer pay the radio? St you know, it was it's kind of took advertising. Well, well, what if we, you know, and that sort of became quite obvious after a while. It still seems to be, you know, I mean, the, the, the valuable thing about five million pages or whatever the number was is like, mm. It's it's clear what the value of that is in a, in a commercial sense, um, you know why isn't it why isn't it recognised? I, I, this is what I don't. Uh, or when is it? Because it will eventually. I mean, uh, I just wonder why it why there, there's this lag, why everything seems to take so long to catch up. And tell me, um, there there will be quite a few people in the audience that have um, maybe started or have recently started blogs or podcasts. Um, <laughs> So if you are to give any advice to uh, people that were, say, setting up blogs or podcasts, what would they be? I mean, are you've m at this stage, you must have learned some serious lessons. I, I can only imagine that there was teething issues in the early days. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I suppose, but I was lucky in that uh, I was just able to, to go through them um, without it having a really big impact on me. Like, you know, we used to get servers, and the more popular the website got, the more uh, powerful servers we needed and that kind of stuff. So, But I mean, I think that the one thing I would say if you're setting up a podcast or a blog is just to, to just do it and stop worrying about it and just produce stuff on a regular... No, but seriously, people get too worried about what other people think about what they're going to do or what, it, you know, do it. Some people will like it, some people don't like it, and if people don't like it, they can fuck off and read something else, which is basically my whole philosophy on any of it now because in football you get a lot of uh, you wankers. know you yeah wankers yeah <laughs> and you get a lot of people who are wankers who tell you that you're a wanker and uh, you know sometimes you might take that to heart but I think mostly you just have to kind of ignore it and realize that you know if you produce good quality stuff on a regular basis there's enough people out there who will appreciate that and you can ignore the wankers so that, <laughs> there's my advice ignore the wankers and keep going Ken, is are this you on a board family the, uh, podcast, by yeah, the way? Well, not sorry. anymore, <laughs> <laughs> obviously. There is an explicit tag there on is iTunes, now. yeah. I think that's true. I, I mean, the other thing that I would say is just try and, uh, try and uh, get your audio gear in, in good order so that yeah. sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And I, I want to, when, when I came in here, I, I heard you say uh, that this thing will be out like within a month. Like, why isn't it out later on tonight? I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah, I can, I have a perfectly good explanation for that, Ken. Um, we have two years worth of shows and we want to blend the best of those two years with what's happening today, yesterday and tomorrow. And, uh, and hopefully that's good enough. What does that mean? What, what does that really mean? Sure what it Honestly, means. what Jesus does that Christ, mean? Give us a chance. Uh, it's well, it's uh, it's Shane's department, so. Wednesday morning sounds like a reasonable time for. Does well, does. I mean, you we're know, all agreed. Are we all agreed? Wednesday, Wednesday, Hans. Yeah. Well, that's what you did. Did you do one today? Podcast today? And when was it out? Two. Yeah, we did one today as well. Yeah, you know, so we had a, we started recording at eleven, yeah. and it was out bef- before one o'clock. Yeah. We that's that's the other advice I give you. It's just. But <laughs> no, you mean give the audience. Give <laughs> yeah, the audience. Well, <laughs> well uh, yeah, that's the beauty. I mean, that's the thing. You're not restricted by anybody but yourself when it comes to this new medium, are you? <laughs> I mean, you don't have an editor saying, "Well, we'll do this," and you oh, know, I'll have to read over this. You you do it, and you go, "That's all right. I'll just fuck it up there." Well, it's, a, it's the thing. I mean, it's uh, people maybe don't kind of realize, uh, certainly I think the, the sort of established media hasn't realized or is still trying to pretend that uh, th- this isn't happening, the, the extent to which their monopoly on um, what they do, I mean, what, what it is that defines them, you know, the ability to make programs that people will watch and listen to is, is gone now. It's not a monopoly anymore. You know, so uh, it's, everybody knows what's happened to newspapers because, oh, you know, people are looking at the content for free and nobody's buying the newspaper and all this kind of stuff. Well, the same thing is, is going to happen to all of the um, established media. I mean, radio, television. I was looking at a video last night of, like, uh, Jeremy Irons. It was actually from months ago, I only realized, but someone had tweeted, I don't know, it was to do with uh, Jeremy Irons making these comments about gay marriage where he was, um, you know, it was to do with another thing that was going on here and on Twitter last night. Uh, but, you know, last, last month, because it's going out now. It could be two months ago. Who knows? But it was like Jeremy Irons saying, you know, oh, but gay marriage. I mean, if, if they were in gay marriage, would, it, would a father not be able to marry his son to avoid tax? And the, the guy was like, um, no, I mean, there, there are rules against incest. And he's saying, but there's no, there's no incest between a father and a son. Uh, incest is there to prevent inbreeding. Uh, this is Jeremy Irons. You know. It's like, wow, you know. But this was on, like, uh, Huffington Post Live or something. Jeremy Irons would not have had the opportunity to humiliate himself in this way uh, any more than a couple of years ago. But this was like, you know, uh, like any TV program, but it's now being made by, like, a website, which isn't a TV station, which doesn't have any of the... Uh, you know, gigantic sort of assets that you used to have, that you used to need in order to do that kind of stuff. Anybody can do it now. I mean, it takes a certain, you know, th- that's why I'm saying your production standards should be as high as you can get them, you know, f- in order not to look like, uh, you know, a sort of an amateur, you know, in his bedroom or whatever. But in... But in <laughs> no, no, you're, think, you're absolutely right. Yeah. But I mean, if you, if you just that, that, the hurdle is really, really small. You know, if you can get over that, then um, it's, it's, it's all there. I mean, it's, it's, you can do what it took, you know, thousands of staff at BBC television to do in, like, 1990. So you can actually do that now. Yeah, the point about production values is a really good one because uh, there are, I don't know, countless football podcasts and Arsenal podcasts, and you listen to some of them, and it's like... <laughs> and so it's just, just like the sound itself. You're saying, oh, I, you know, can't amateurs. Be, can't be honest, yeah. It's not difficult, you know, and it's not expensive either. So uh, there's another piece of advice: is you know, make sure that you produce the highest quality stuff that you can. 
could do HD video with your phone, you know, if you are into making videos, you know. I don't know what kind you. <laughs> <laughs> we, we but no, no, I'm just saying. I'm just throwing <laughs> it out there. And uh, both of you have a, a degree of freelance work uh, on your plate at the moment, right? Um, do you, are you asked often to work for free? Do you find that that's a yeah. the medium that you work yeah, in? Yeah, I got an email last week from, I can't, what's the name of the website? Should I name it? Am I allowed? Just bleep it out. The, okay, uh, something, the international or something. And this guy emailed me and he said, hi, Andrew, uh, we're the international we get seven and a half million readers every month, and we would like you to write about Arsenal. Unfortunately, I can't pay you, <laughs> but we could publicize your website. It's like, yeah, try buy a fucking box of cornflakes with publicity, you know. <laughs> it's just, and you get that all the time, and you get stuff like PR agencies saying, we, we'll give you a couple of uh, tickets to give away to an FA Cup game, the FA Cup sponsored by Budweiser, and I'm going, that's great, I don't mind if you want to give me a couple of tickets for a competition, but you know, Budweiser. So what you're asking me for is free advertising on the front page of my website. So if you want to pay me to do the competition, fine. They they rarely <laughs> they rarely want to pay. But I you know I don't think we should really uh, give in to those people. To I be mean, honest, it's crazy. Like I mean, uh, you know, when when we though I suppose sometimes you know when we were doing the radio show, you know, you get a journalist on to talk about a story that he's done that day. You don't necessarily pay them. But if we had kind of recurring contributors, we would always pay them. You know, you can't, <laughs> you just get embarrassed picking up the phone to someone, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, obviously, if someone's publicizing something, you know, a book they've done or whatever, you don't, you know, you don't pay them. But uh, uh, yeah, and I, I think you should always try to pay and certainly don't work unless someone is paying you. But That's slavery. A, yeah, there's a lot of websites out there that, that do operate, you know, without paying people. And they'll go... Conning people, basically. Yeah. This is your big opportunity. You've got a platform here. Everyone can see what a great writer you are. But, you know, your articles are mixed in with 400 other people. You know. Which is not to say, I mean, the people who want to write shouldn't write. I mean, of course, people should, should write. You know, if they're writers, that's what they're going to do anyway. It's not really going to matter if they get paid or not. And if they keep doing it and they're good, they, they will be able to get paid for it. So, or will eventually be able to get paid for it. So, wouldn't want to discourage anyone from, you know, speaking their, uh, their heart. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, if you're working for like, uh, you know, international, you should probably get some money. Okay. Uh, well, I think we we're gonna have to wrap it up there. But um, I just want to say thank you very much to both Andrew Mangan and Ken Early for making it down tonight. We hope you enjoyed them. Thank you. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying the podcasts and you have a few moments to spare, there are a few ways you can help us out. You can subscribe, rate, and or comment on iTunes. It's hugely helpful to us in ways that are far too boring to elaborate on further here. Or you can tell some of your like-minded friends about the podcast. We're on Twitter at The Weekly GM. Or if you're feeling particularly generous, you can visit our website, theweeklygm.com, and drop a few bob into our tip jar. It all helps keep the show on the road. Massive thanks to our guests this week, Megan Nolan, We Are Losers, Andrew Mangan, and Ken Early. Thanks also to Ross McCormick and Emma Doyle for their help on sound this week. We'll be back next week with episode five. We'll talk to you then. <laughs>